It's Thursday again, tell everybody to lock in Grab some popcorn, a drink, and go and throw your airpods in It's a one-hour show, constantly speaking facts Bulletproof stats are always shooting from Matt And when it comes to Kyle, you getting numbers and style Jake is gonna educate you, he has that knowledge on fire Player, step your game up, don't be sluggish or lazy Or Jimmy J might hit you with a shaky baby Catch him on YouTube or any podcast platform Breaking all the news down like Shaq does the backboards No hot takes, this is where the hottest debate's at Now kick your feet up, cause it's time for Straight Facts What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains, brought to you by the Up All In Game Presents Network. Uh, as always, it's my guys, Jake Galley, Stat Matt Robinson. I'm James Jackson. But, guys, we have a special episode today, a really great episode. We're excited for this one. We're happy to welcome on uh, Martin Sores, the founder of Basketball Society, Basketball Society on Instagram, and the basketballsociety.com, if I'm getting the URL correct with their website and everything. But, Martin, man, welcome to the Pod. Welcome to the Straight Facts World. Appreciate having you. Hey, I, I appreciate you guys for having me on. I see the work. I see what you guys are doing, and I, it's it's a it's a lot of genuine and great energy, and a lot of great basketball talk. So that those are two things that matter a lot to me. So I appreciate you guys having me on. The website is basketballsocietyonline.com. There you go. Okay, oh, there just, you go. Yeah, I did a little little tweak there, but no, we're good. We're here. I appreciate you guys having me on. Seriously, I'm oh. looking forward to it. Of course, and for the watchers, the listeners, y'all can't see this, so I suggest you go to YouTube so you can see what's going on in the background of Martin's set right now. He got he got some some crazy gurus handling the basketball. The, the visual right now is Bruce Lee, and I won't give away what you got the rest of it, but it, it is crazy. So if that just gives you a little insight into the basketball guru that is Martin Stories on the pod today, that's all you need to know, but... Of course, man, we're breaking down uh, the NBA finals on this episode. We're breaking down a little bit of the whole series, but really want to, you know, focus on game six and a possible game seven. That'll be Thursday night as we're recording Wednesday. And this is this is good for our pods because we are the, the stats and facts pod. And if you go to the basketball society, you are a lot of breaking down of the gameplay, breaking down of the style of basketball. This is going to be a good mix for us, you know, right now, Martin. So. Why don't we just first summarize games one through five um, and then kind of get a, a full scope on that. So Celtics take game one, 120 to 108, you know, on a rough shooting night from Jason Tatum, but the others came in and, and really helped out. Warriors take game two, 107 to 88. Celtics come back and win game three in Boston, 116 to 100. Game four, Steph Curry erupts for 43. The Warriors take it 107 to 97. And then game five, of course, a tight one down the stretch, but the Warriors come back. I take it by 10, 104 to 94. So, Martin, first we'll go to you, man. Give us just the thoughts, the loose thoughts of the series as we see it now. Warriors up 3-2 back to Boston. The main thing I focus on with the Warriors, guys, and I like I've I just focused on this word when I did my preview episode on my show for the finals. Like when it comes to the Warriors, this is the word that it could just comes down to this for me because it applies to different things. The word is stamina, mm. stamina. You got to be able to keep up with these guys physically, <laughs> you know, from three moving around. It's everything is about keep, you got to keep up with Steph. You got to keep up with clay. Jordan Poole is coming off the bench scoring. Like th this is, this is the warriors we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So 
that's why I, I had a tough time making my pick at first. I ended up picking the Warriors. But when I thought about it, it's like I have to go with – I picked the Warriors on experience, but I had to see the first game. I had to see what Bo- how Boston was looking, how comfortable they were, who's hitting shots, who's in rhythm, right? And when I saw them go for 120 in the first game just on some we're here, like mm-hmm. we're fearless, we're ready to hit shots, you know, uh, you mentioned like Jason Tatum struggled that game, but they they won that by committee. So that had me a little like, okay, at least encouraged that this would be a series. But I think that theme keeps coming up because we've seen, uh, and I talked about it in my recap from game five, the thing with Boston is like, you just keep seeing these spurts where they look so great and so capable. Mm-hmm. And then they just look gross other times. They look goofy and gross other times. So to me, it just it keeps coming back to what I talked about in my preview, just that stamina. You have to be able to keep scoring in spurts to keep up with they're gonna mm-hmm. Golden State's gonna score. They're gonna score a hundred. Boston struggled to score a hundred a few times in this series, and, and they lost every game. Like so to <laughs> me, I just I keep coming back to that. The spurts of scoring and the stamina keeping up with them to 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 be able to trade those blows. So they've been really impressive, but I think the times where they have lapses and they don't look impressive is where they kind of lose that stamina and that focus. Yeah. It's something that at Matt, you, you pointed out right when the series is about to start, you, you looked at the Miami heat series for Boston and you said like Miami was, was one of the most struggling offenses, you know, coming in to that series and Boston barely beat them. Like, so that their, their offense wasn't clicking and that, have you still seen that through the series? I don't think I've seen a game where their offense has clicked where we're getting, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and then the sprinkling of others. Like, I think you pointed that coming into this series, and, like, I, it's still reigning true as I see it now. Yeah, the only time it kind of clicked was in Game 3 um, when they uh, withstood a – they had a pretty big lead. They had, like, 11-point lead at half. Warriors went on a big run in the third, as they've done all series. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of, in the fourth, they shut them down defensively. And it was just kind of like an all-around of Tatum had 26, Brown had 27, Smart had 24, Grant Williams had 10, Al Horford had 11. Like, that, like that's like what they can be. Like, that's like what you want. Mm-hmm. That's like if that was, this was a regular season Celtics game and you looked at the box score, you'd see that and say, oh, that makes sense. And that's the only time through the five games that that's actually happened because the Warriors' defense has been able to disrupt that flow and rhythm so much. I also think we need to give Matt his flowers a little bit because it has been the coronation of Andrew Wiggins. Finally, finally cashing in. Matt Matt said his total. He's like, look, if Andrew Wiggins scores 17 points or more, the Warriors are going to win the game. That's like a blind, like put that test out there. So I like it. Ding, ding, ding. So he's been, I mean, last game, obviously game five, 26 points, 13 rebounds kicked into assists as well. And the Warriors, I think they're starting to kind of catch their groove on offense. Draymond Green is someone, James, that you mentioned is like not showing up in the box score as having an improved <laughs> series since the first couple of games. But, but you watch that, game five. Yeah, you you watch him in the pick and roll. He's starting. There's one right in the first quarter where he actually took it to the basket. No one accounted for him. They're selling out to Steph Curry. Easy layup. Like th- those weren't really available. Those type plays weren't available or he wasn't taking them in the, in the first couple of games. He's turned it around. So that's been impressive. But on the Boston end, they really struggled in the first quarter in game five. And I saw a lot of like the 
my turn, your turn type basketball. It would come to the, you know, their motion may not yeah. work out, comes to the end of the shot clock. And then it's just, okay, Tatum Brown, make a move, put up a shot, goes in, goes out. That's your offense. Uh, they, they need to get into a more of a, a sharing the ball rhythm. We talked about Tatum's playmaking, improved playmaking, as well as them leaning on smart a little bit. So that, that's kind of where I'm at so far in the series. And, and here's the thing about Jason Tatum's playmaking. We love it. And we, and we, Martin, we, as a podcast, we're high on the Boston Celtics, even when they stunk. Don't know why, but we, we saw what this team could be okay. on paper and knew it might just click eventually. So we revered uh, Jason Tatum's playmaking all season. And those 13 assists in game one is a great byproduct of if he gets his others involved and they make shots, the Celtics can win a game, even if he's struggling to score. But at some point, this is the finals, right? And at some point, you're playing the Warriors and Steph Curry. And you can be a great drive and kick out guy all you want. I don't want to have to rely on Marcus Smart and Derek White and Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard to win these games every time you drive and kick the ball. At some point, Jason Tatum needs to be, needs to drive to score. Are you seeing that? Like, are you just seeing him? He's such a willing passer. And it's great because he, because he's a good passer. But, when, when 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 they're baiting him and he's driving, now he suddenly turns the ball over, and now he's not in rhythm. He's not getting to the basket. He's got to either learn to operate in that mid range or learn how to get to the basket. Am I right or am I wrong in that? I I, I agree. You know, um, I I agree with what you're saying. I, I wouldn't say he needs to learn because the that's the thing that bothers me is that he knows how to do these. Jason Tatum is an True. elite True. first team All NBA for what he does True. on both sides of the floor, but he's an elite offensive player, elite. I watched Jason Tatum in game five and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to circle back to like your point on just his offense, but this, this translates to that. This is connected to that. He missed, he went over two from the free throw line twice yeah. in game five, twice. I'm, I'm like, bro, you're not hurt. You're not like, like what, what could it possibly, you're too good of a shooter. That That's when it drives me crazy. Like, like my mom will call me sometimes like, how how can guys making that much money in the NBA miss free throws? Like she, she can't understand. Like they should <laughs> all all the free throws. Yeah. Everyone should be making. You know, yeah. it's like they're in the NBA. They make too much money. I'm like, I'm like, and then I have to like explain it to her. You know, I could just I'm like, Ma, you watch me miss free throws too, and I was a great free throw. <laughs> like just just try to think about it a little deeper. But Jason, Tate, when you're that good of a shooter, two you go over t- twice. I'm just like, okay, you know, I'm not saying something's not right or whatever. I'm just, I just, I can't explain that. But when I see right. that, to me, it ties into, it connects to other things. So back yeah. to your point, here's the problem when you're a pass first player. The other team knows you're going to pass. There it is. Yeah. So they start, Golden State keeps starts getting deflections because when he makes that middle drive, they know he's going to the adjacent corner. Pass. They know what pass he's going to. So when you're pass first, they're just waiting for you to pass because they know you're not going up to score. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I've been, and this is this is the tough part about this Jason Tatum thing for me. He's played well enough to beat some people. He, he really just he has to hit another level. I've been saying it on my show. He's got to get a thirty ball. I don't know how he expects to beat the Warriors if he doesn't get at least one thirty ball. He's had twenty seven and ten. 23, 11, and 6. Like, these are great stat lines. In the final, I mean, that's that's good. It ain't good enough to beat Steph <laughs> and these guys. So it's tough because he's playing well. He could be better. But it's like he he's playing well enough to beat Miami, Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's playing he's well to beat everyone until this point. Yeah, until this point. He's got to get to another level. And it is his scoring. And it is 
the assurance at the rim. I don't know at six ten. I don't know why he's just not outstretching his hand at the rim and just looking to lay people all day. I, I don't. I don't know why he doesn't have the scoring first mentality. But I do think that's the big adjustment for him right now. For sure. Yeah, I just he's wanted to add to his point. He's got uh, to unload the clip. In my opinion, he's got to unload the clip this next game. Bro. He, he, he had th- he had three air balls in the second half in game five. That, were That's they all threes? Was were, were those all threes? Because I, I, I at least I, two of them were. At least two of them were, and that I'm like, bro, he, he Jason Tatum's one of the players that we have said has kept the mid range alive. Where is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Play, you know, get back to that midi, man. That's what I said. Get back to that midi. It ain't dead. And, and one thing I point to that I think that indicates Matt is like. This was, I think a lot about it was the all-around play of the Celtics coming in, and, and the big point for the Warriors was their experience. And that also goes into your ability to to, with, to stand up. To Tatum has played 44 minutes, 43 minutes, 41, goes down to 34 in Game 2, and then Game 1 he had 42 minutes. So he's playing and logging tons of minutes against a very physical, hard-playing team. And I wonder if that if, if the air balls are starting to show maybe it's the legs. and maybe, 100%. Maybe that, Maybe that's where he starts to well, you see, fade a little bit. The shoulder may not be a hundred percent right. I know he played yeah, through, but you see, you see him kind of wince at it a little bit. But hey, but hey, hey, you in the finals? Everybody banged up. Your boy Robert Williams is going out there on one knee and and doing something. So it's it, I don't really want to use that as an excuse, but he has to step up. But but continuing on that theme of what the Celtics have to do to to pull this series out, because that's what we're going to dive into. What do both of these teams have to do to win the series, for the Warriors to wrap it up in Boston, for Boston to keep it alive, and send the Game 7 back to Golden State? But we'll start for Boston, and we talked about it a little bit when we get into it deeper, is you got to come out in the second half stronger. Like, the first thing that you're looking at is you cannot fight fire with with nothing you know the Warriors are coming out the third quarter Warriors and even in the fourth quarter now the Celtics are also struggling you see in game five um what I forget what, <clears throat> failed to score what 25 points and have four turnovers alone in the fourth quarter so um it's ridiculous so Martin let's talk about that for a little bit the you have to you know the Celtics have to come out better in the second half yeah I mean one thing one thing that jumped out at me from game five uh Matt, the stat from the bench, I mean, they got nothing from the bench. And, you know, I've been, it goes back to what I started with, with stamina. I just wonder if like Derek White and Grant Williams and the guys who, not that they've been, well, Derek White had a couple of big games and he's had big Mm -hmm. games throughout the playoffs. And then back to what you were saying, James, it's like, you don't want to rely on that, but you need that contribution. Like Derek White can't get three points off the bench. He's been giving you more than that. You, you, you know, so I think in Boston's defense, they're going home. I think they will play better. I think they will hit shots. You know, I think we're at the point now, guys, where, you know, the X's and O's and the strategy and what do they do differently and what did everyone knows everyone, everyone knows who they are and who's doing yeah, what. It's, gotta go beat them. It, it's, it's coming down to that's why we have to talk about Jason Tatum and we, we have to because these are the games where those guys win the game. Yeah, there's the, you know, listen, you can have your Ray Allen games and your your games where other guys come in, might hit six threes, might have a big game like that. But but at the end of the day, it comes down to what the what the stars are doing. Um, I think like I've been impressed with how market Marcus Smart to me has been like keeping them afloat, honestly, competitively and sometimes offensively. And he's just been impressing me because I didn't see him as a scorer or off the dribble. That's not what he is. But at times when they need him to score, he's been he's been scoring and he's been knocking down threes at times. And, and and I I agree with you a lot. Uh, 
until game five. Like game five, he kind of got knocked off his pivot a lot in game five, and the shots weren't falling. And then you know they go oh, on this great run because Jalen Brown didn't get going. So that's then, true. Then that's it true. Became a, we really need now. It, it was more pressure on him because mm-hmm. Jalen Brown didn't. He 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 didn't get going. He didn't hit any. There was one sequence. Rhythm. There was one sequence in particular, right? You know, in the beginning of the fourth quarter, they go on this toy run in the third. They win the third. They come out in the fourth quarter, and and Draymond gets them, right? He gets that tough foul, doesn't agree with it, then goes on the other end, gets the foul on Jordan Poole and the technical foul. Now, all of a sudden, there's a huge swing. The momentum goes to the Warriors, and they never saw the light of day since. And I thought that really got swept under the rug in terms of why the Celtics lost the fourth quarter. If you're going to start it on the wrong foot, and give the Warriors free points and free possessions. Which, do you expect to win that game? That's not going to happen. You let Jordan Poole off the hook, who's a terrible defender. Like, don't ever let Jordan Poole off the hook on the defensive end and then get a technical foul on top of that to send the ball back the other way and send him to the free throw line. So I, I do agree. Marcus Smart has shown, you know, his toughness and the ability to pace the Celtics. But I thought in particular in game, game five wasn't his shining moment. I thought game five is really struggling. And I'm Puma fam. You don't know this about me, Martin, but I'm, I rep Puma fam heavy. So that's that's my guy. I, lo- I love when Marcus Smart goes off. I think I may have mentioned this in a previous pod. This is this is probably off topic a little bit, but Draymond Green encapsulates like why he's going to be a great announcer. He knows exactly like what and when to say something to get or do something to get under your skin. It really like even in as he's starting to get older and as the Warriors dynasty starts to age. It's incredible how they they kind of still all have their fastball, uh, so to mm-hmm. speak. Maybe maybe Clay, and we can talk about Clay, but maybe he's fading a little bit. But in spite of that, they're up in this series, and I'll be really interested. Draymond's got a lot of money on the table this offseason. You know, if they win one and say, "Hey, we want to go at this thing again," uh, he he's one person that come the end of this season, win or lose, I'd be watching. Uh, for sure. But uh, to me, Jake, we talked about it off camera a little bit too, that the Warriors haven't done anything that's to me that suggests that they've wrapped up the series. That they have a hold on this series and Boston can't win. And we talk about a lot of the second halves where Boston has run out of steam. I think it's a lot of missed shots. It's a lot of turning the ball over and they're not really just finishing these games. They're getting outscored 160 to 122 in the third alone over the course of the series. But in that, just shooting 37%. So it's not all the Warriors going out and scoring in this crazy third quarters and they can't keep up. Not shooting efficiently from the field. And then the last four fourth quarters alone have scored just 86 points. So like it's not they're not finishing these ball games. You're, you're fighting a, a Warriors team that comes out the second half gate historically hot. And you know what you have to do. It's it, They're not getting it done. And to me, they find themselves on the winning end of a couple of these ball games. If those are, if that's not true, that's what I'm seeing. Yeah. For I mean, the, for the so. Celtics to win the finals, they would, if they win it, they would be the first team um, in NBA history to win an elimination, a road elimination game in the, in the second round, the conference finals and the finals. Because they they won a road game six against Milwaukee, road game seven against Miami, and if they were to win this series, they'd win a road game seven against Golden State. So back in school in Beantown, man, they're not afraid of trying to win like tough road games. But I just don't know if they have the legs in them. You got to do it three times in a row against three, you know, against two really physical teams and two really tough teams, and I got three in Milwaukee too. You do it in Milwaukee, so. No, we'll no, continue what the Celtics got to do to win this series. They cannot continue to turn the ball over. We talked about the the 
offensive foul and the and a technical foul from Marcus Smart. You can chalk that up as a turnover. It goes the other way, and the Warriors start their momentum in the fourth quarter. So they're fourteen and two this year when they turn the ball over fewer than sixteen times in the postseason. They're zero and seven when they turn it over sixteen plus times. And when you turn over four times alone in the fourth quarter, when the Warriors are making a run, you're shooting yourself in the foot. So. Is that something that you see correcting itself in Boston when they go back? We know role players may be better at home. Everyone's more comfortable at home. Is that something you see continuing from the Celtics' point of view? Is that is that turnover aspect? Yeah, I feel like, though, I think Boston is going to play uh, really clean basketball in game six. Right. I, I feel like they're going to, you know, they, they won't have high turnovers. I think guys will hit shots. Um the turnover thing is just, again, it's just this like weird thing with them. It's like sometimes, sometimes they look so physical and strong and secure and they'll get the switch. And once Horford gets it in, it's like, he's just too strong and secure and he'll just mm-hmm. finish. And and same thing with Tatum. And then other times they just look careless. Like they just, like, they just don't want the ball. Like they're not the more physical team. So it's a, it's a really weird thing to have to predict and quantify. But I, I do feel like, I do feel like they, from game to game, you know, the thing is I feel like Golden State is just, their guys are getting more confident. Like my two guys for Golden State were Poole and Wiggins. Like to your point, Matt, I was like Poole and Wiggins have to get their average. Like each of them have to have to get at least 15 for Golden State to get what, what they're used to getting from the regular season. So I was really watching them, the two of them and how much they were in rhythm every game this series. Um, but the, but Boston, it's it like it starts with your best players like Tatum and Brown. Jalen Brown has been driving me crazy sometimes because he's <laughs> so good, and I really appreciate where he's come with his game and how sound and polished he looks at times. But sometimes that man just be it's like there's water on the floor. Like it's like mm-hmm. you know some players are just like like goofy and uncoordinated, and he looks like that sometimes. I don't understand the – That's my, it's my thing with Boston, bro. I don't understand how we look one way sometimes and then a diff- just completely different other times. I, I, just, I can't quantify that, but I think, I think, I think that, being at home is going to help them. I think that personifies itself in game one where they look dead in the water. You're like, wow, not only is this game going to go like this, we're really – this is how the series is going to go? Everyone's like – in that game is maybe predicting a warrior sweep after that, then something, I'm not sure what, something flips. People start hitting shots. They stop turning the ball over. They start playing great defense. And then all of a sudden they find themselves on the winning side, even when Jason Tatum doesn't you know, have a, a great series. But all that you just said, Martin, I see that in game one encapsulated just the tale of two teams. Um, in but their, if you look at, go ahead, Matt. In the Celtics' two wins, They've held the Warriors to 16 points in the fourth quarter and 11 points in the fourth quarter. So it's in the games where they, like, so it's, it, the fourth quarter is just such a inconsistency and it honestly mirrors the team in the, 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 that the Celtics have been all season, really. Yeah. And going back to the ball control and security point. I think that coming into the series, that was the big question mark because they had gotten by so much with Tatum and, and with Marcus Smart, neither of which who are really a actual point guard. But in today's NBA, I don't know how much that really matters. Uh, and they were also winning with it. So like, you're not going to go away from it. But Marcus Smart in game one, no turnovers. In the four games since then, he's averaged four. So as the only true guard, I think he 
like controlling the ball and making the right reads and making the right decision Oosh. is just so important in keeping their offense on track. And that helps Jalen Brown and that helps Tatum a little bit when you get that switch and uh, uh, feel more confident um, in the offense. So that, that's kind of who I look to. But again, like you're relying on this guy to be your facilitator or, or at least one of the main facilitators. And it's not necessarily a super strength of his. Yeah, it's definitely a, it's a collective mindful effort where everyone is focused on, listen, like we have to be presentable to each other for passes. We have to be ready for the next pass. Like it, it really is an interconnected thing. And I'll bring it back to just D- Jason Tatum real quick on that, because this is important. I said this on my show, <clears throat> guys, we've only seen two people, take out the Warriors in this in this dynasty era, right? We've only seen two people do it, like pull it off. Not James Harden, not Luka, not not Devin Book, not, not only two. LeBron James, <laughs> LeBron, <laughs> and Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi got him. You know, Kawhi's was a little different. You know, guys got hurt and stuff, but but Kawhi still had to beat them. He still had to, yeah, he sure. had to do it. LeBron and Kawhi. So if you're going to, so Jason Tatum, that that's that's what's on you and if you even think back to like I just I'll never forget watching those possessions that LeBron would just be picking the Warriors apart and we didn't see anyone do that to them on a game-by-game basis we saw that we saw Golden State blowing people out Steph and them didn't even play in the fourth quarter they're running through everybody the finals come big Bron comes through game to game Bron. Bron coming up just yeah, move. Kyrie. Oh, oh. Move. By the way, Kyrie. Oh, go ahead, Kyrie. Get your forty-two. So mm-hmm. when you when you think about that, it's like you realize. Wait, like when we talk about ball, this is the ball security thing. Like Jason Tatum has to be. That, that's why I talk about stamina. This this has to be exhausting. Every possession, it, you don't have to be perfect, but you have to be so great so many times. You can't be airballing the mm-hmm. damn three, Matt. You can't have two air balls. Those are turnovers too. Shit, just count those as turnovers. Right. <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you can't be the one doing Derek White can come in and airball the three. You can't do that. Your possessions have to be so sound throughout the game. And, and that's Chris. what we're talking about the fourth quarter. It has to last. Like, you can't take yeah. a break. You can't be, oh, you got it now. You don't have a Kyrie, Jason Tatum. You have, you know, you have Jalen Brown. You have got, but you don't have that. You know, so... That's what I look at when I look at what it takes to really beat these guys. Yeah, the ball security point is huge, and it doesn't even just manifest itself on him, like actually driving lane and turning the ball over. In the, f- the first quarter of game five, a couple minutes before the media timeout, he is on the wing trying to do a dribble move on Kavon Looney, and Kavon Looney just simply pokes the ball away. It's out of Kavon Looney, no harm, no foul, except Ime Adoka sits that boy down and says, there's something wrong with you. If Kavon Looney is out on the perimeter – Poking the ball away. Come, come sit down. We have he a couple was, minutes no, to the he media going to, He was going to the sidestep to the left. This was his mm-hmm. This is part of just not keeping it simple and just taking what's that he had a, a lane to just drive left. Just drive and past he had him. the ball in his right, and Kavon Looney was on his right, and he was getting ready to go to the left, right oh, side, side his left, his pat, you know, and all he all Looney had to do was go like this. Like so just knock it away. Cat 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 in the arm ball. Cat in the arm ball. Just knocked it away. <laughs> and and <laughs> I, it, it's not funny because it's a player struggling, but the the quickness it's funny of to me when it's a shelter. 
Yeah, no. that, that's true. But, but the, the quickness at which Ime Adoka took that brother out and was like, that's all I need to say. You need a breather. You need a couple minutes. That. You need to yeah. restart whatever you need yeah. to start. You need to reset. Yeah, bro. If you Obama need to reset. Tripping you at the, yeah, you time to reset. <laughs> yeah, like, go, get, go, go, go get right. And then he came out and went a little bit. But I thought I was like, that's heck of a coaching move by Adoka to know your player. Like, man, go, don't even say anything until him on the way back. You know why you're getting taken out. Go get right. Let me know when you're good in a couple of minutes. But right before we move on, to the Warriors part, Jake, I want to talk about, you brought up a great point about how the Celtics don't operate with a true point guard and they've been getting by and winning up until now. But is that something that is a big detriment to them right now in the series? Because you look, they have the highest turnover percentage damn near in the league. The only team that has a higher turnover percentage than them is the Houston Rockets and they're nowhere near the playoffs, right? So they've been getting by without this true point guard but is there is that a lapse for them? Do they find themselves needing a actual distributor, actual pacemaker of the game at that guard position, or do you think it's something that they can overcome through the rest of the series? That's a really interesting point. Well, I I think well they're going to have to overcome it um, either that way. I got no choice. Yeah, right? You're stuck with who you're stuck and, with. But I think I mean like look, they're they're giving up some of the ball handling and and distribution in exchange for some size and defense. Like I get why why they why they built the team that way, but looking back on the history of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, whether it be Isaiah Thomas, Terry Rozier, Kyrie Irving, you know they've had a lot of score first or just you know general point guards in there, and it hasn't worked. And I think like you do, we we've talked about it with Donovan Mitchell and with Jimmy Butler. Like when you have wings who have the ability to read the game at a high level and have the ability to do everything you need, just let them handle the ball. Like Donovan Mitchell, the Jazz are better when he is the guy, the offense goes everything through him. Uh, same, same with Jimmy, well, Miami Heat are a little bit different. but They got Lowry now. but Right, but, they, they have Lowry and other guys. But the point still true. stands. Like I think yeah. I personally, I feel better when the ball is in the hands of my best player and I am arming him with the ability to make decisions to run the offense, whether it be a kick out three, I have some guy doing pick and roll with him, whatever it might be, I want to put him in as many ball handling actions True. as possible. I, True, I, I but- still think a player with, he's too old now, but like when he was good, like a George Hill type, just like stem the tide when you're like, you, you do the, the uh, Warriors 9-0 run. We had two timeouts leading to dunks timeout, let's put George Hill in, he'll calm this game down. Like, a player wow. like that would be a good... It's not, like, it's not something... It's not, like, a glaring hole. It's just, like, a real... It would be a really nice fit, is how I see yeah, it. Yeah, I love the point guard position. It's a glaring hole to me. My favorite players are point guards. But, like, Jake, I hear you. You want the... Want the just get the ball into your best player's hands, especially when it's Jason Tatum. He has the ability to distribute. But there might be a... Like a, a feeling, a too much of a feeling to, to have to distribute because you don't have that distributor. Maybe bringing that in or having that allows him to just focus on what he does best and score the basketball. You're an elite scorer of the league. I don't want you to have to worry about being a facilitator too. If that comes naturally to you, that's great. Make the right mean, make the pass. But it shouldn't be a like one B thing in Jason Tatum's mind that he has to get his, you know, get others involved. And, and, and like, there are some players who are just brought in to score. No one's crying for Devin Booker to get other players involved. <laughs> Go score the ball. Like, you know what I mean? Chris Paul. I mean, he, he, but he has Chris Paul. He, he has Chris, he has a distributor for that. Right. He has a distributor for that. I mean, and, and to me, Marcus Smart, that's not his game. He's a guard. He's not a point guard. You know what I mean? He can guard point guards on the defensive end, but that's not his game on the offensive end. And we're asking him to do that at the level to beat the Warriors. As Martin said, only two people have done it. 
like we're asking him to do that at that kind of level. I just it makes me more nervous that if Boston could continue to overcome that because they're not, they're not overcoming the turnovers. It's, it's getting worse and worse as the series gets on. So the Warriors are adjusting to it more and more on defense. A floor general can beat those adjustments. I'm not sure if Marcus Smart is that floor general to beat those adjustments. That's that's all I'm saying. I would I would almost like kind of counter that too because I I definitely agree. Um, but I, I would say maybe as an alternative, you could maybe think of it like this too because I, I've been I've been especially with how Boston's bench struggled more than struggled. They really didn't do anything in Game Five. I've been one. I've been talking about like just a spark. Like who's who's the spark for Boston? Golden State spark can be Jordan Poole. It can be Gary Payton the second. Who's been? I would argue it was Derek White in the beginning anyway, of the series. Well, there you go. Yo, Derek White has shown he can be a spark. Right, right, right. right. The kind of spark I'm talking about though, James. Like for me personally, like I'm a huge Payton Pritchard guy. Like I'm not saying get him more okay. minutes or anything. I'm just like okay. Just, Peyton Pritchard is like that. And for people who, who you, we all we all know hoop and know basketball, that term is is set aside you for like certain that. people. It doesn't mm-hmm. stats, minutes, nothing matters. All I'm telling you is that he's like that. Like mm-hmm. if you get him, you know, he's he's still young, he's not in situations. Again, I'm not saying throw him out there, put him he in. Got ball, him, he got a crazy high school mixtape. He got a crazy hoop hoop mixtape. Oh, that boy can hoop. He will hit threes. <laughs> I know he, you know, he's been up and down again. He's I think he's just adjusting the NBA and everything, but yeah. I, I just I'm talking about a Peyton Pritchard level player who's a little more experienced, who's maybe a more of a veteran, one that can shoot, one that can go off the dribble, one that can make plays. That could be in the form of a point guard, of course. I could be talking about like a playmaking guard, but I'm I'm wondering that could be just an adjustment for Boston even going forward with their roster. It's like you might need just just generally it's just offense, like shooting, you know, mm. just more like weaponry you know you have like toughness defenders physicality length size like you have all of the kind of one thing they're kind of missing and again it's to you guys point it's like just that good playmaking sound guard play drew holiday changed drew holiday, drew holiday, drew holiday changed everything for milwaukee mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. changed everything for them so for sure for sure all right we can move off the Celtics' point of view onto the Warriors' point of view because they need one more game to get their fourth championship in eight years and solidify this dynasty that they're in the midst of. But they got some things that they have to, to continue to do or get better in if they want to pull out uh, this game six win. So the first thing that we have, and Martin, I'll ask you, is stick to their defensive game plan. And how good do you think their defensive game plan is or has worked to up until this point? They've held the Celtics under 100 points in three of the five games. Uh, the Celtics scored 100 points in 16 of the 18 games uh, in this Eastern Conference playoffs run. It's 89% of the games are scoring 100 more. They've only done it three times or less than three times in this series alone. So are you happy with the Warriors' defensive game plan? Is it working to your extent, or is it something that even needs to get turned up a notch even more? Yeah, I, well, I feel like they've done a really good job adjusting game to game and just figuring them out and realizing who does what and when and the fact that like they know they can stop these guys. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things I talked about in my preview, because Golden State's obviously the more firepower offensive team, I'm like, can can we I knew how good Boston was defensively I respected them but it's like I need to see them guard them I need to make sure I can see that they're up to the challenge of like I said the stamina keeping up with them and like can they guard them after game one the narrative flipped it was like yo can Golden State guard them (laughs) Brown is taking Draymond off the dribble Jason Tatum it's like wait so 
can are we should we be talking you know they're going at Jordan Poole so it's like damn is it is it the other way around mm-hmm. but but no I think Golden State has just done a good job adjusting game to game um understanding how physical they have to be they had to match their physicality that was that was the difference between game one and game two it was that physicality conversation right and then they held them to 88 points and they didn't even score 90 in game two mm-hmm. so I mean Golden State knows what they're doing on both sides of the ball they know what they're doing I think the fact that Steph being a little more physically stronger has helped them. There have been times when they've been able to go at Steph and take advantage of those inside, but it's it's not consider you, you you're not just abusing him. It, it's not he's not a he he's not a liability really anymore. You know, thing. Yeah, he's not a liability. Um, I've been watching Clay. I started watching this because I thought I think it's interesting how Wiggins defensively has really given Clay a chance to take a step back. Remember when Clay was the guy on on that side of the ball, the elite mm-hmm. two-way guy, guard the best guy on the other team? That was Clay's role. Wiggins has really like taken that off of him. So I think mm-hmm. Clay is a little more relaxed now. He's like, man, I can just focus on shooting the ball and, you mm-hmm. know, playing good defense pressure on the off the knee, pressure off the knee, pressure off the legs and Jake. Come on, like that's your, yeah. Yeah, I know that's probably James God for Wiggins. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I just think they're they're quick, they're reactive, and they when you're that good offensively, I just have a theory that you know not all great offensive teams are great defensive teams, but just when you're that mindful, when you understand movement and spacing, and when, when you play that kind of basketball offensively, you're also guarding that in practice. So you're getting used to mm-hmm. like how you guard movement and stuff. So Golden, that's why they're usually elite offensively and defensively, but. I think they're right where they want to be. I, th- I think they've almost cornered Boston. I'm nervous. I think Boston's going to play well in game six, but I'm nervous for them because Steph has had his game. Wiggins has had his game. Poole's getting more confident. Draymond is, is good. Clay is good. Like, it seems like the Warriors might be ready to to put them to the next game. They, they might be due. But uh, but I think it's right where they want to be, though, on both sides, I think. For sure. And that the Wiggins point is big. Jake, that's your observation, right, that you made, that Wiggins has just been all over the place defensively. Yeah, there's a stat in here uh, that he has contested 101 shots this finals, which is 26 more than any other player. So I look at the stat two ways. I mean, it is impressive in and, a, in and of its own right. I think it could be somewhat shaded or jaded because he is guarding the guys. I mean, he's guarding yeah. the best players on Boston who are, who are putting up all these shots. So naturally, he, he's going to contest more. But, you know, uh, to, to Martin's point, like that used to be Draymond. That used to be Clay, who who would be guarding the other team's best player. And now those guys can kind of take a step back. And it's not just Wiggins. They have a ton of bodies that they can throw at the front court of Boston. Kevon Looney, he hasn't really been like a stat sheet stuffer, but in terms of physicality, he's been a tone setter. You have Otto Porter Jr., uh, Draymond Green, obviously, as we, we've already touched on. Gary Payton, he's not the biggest guy, but he can play some defense. Three steals last year. Huge. Game. Um, Huge. And, and, you know, they're just a deep team that I think Boston is definitely struggling where, like, the, the second unit comes in and there's really not a ton of drop-off on the defensive end. Uh, and, and I think that's been a point of struggle for them. Yeah, flowers time. Flowers time for Gary Payton a second because that is something that the Celtics didn't know how to handle. Like, you you, you have the Warriors who make this run through the Western Conference playoffs without him, without him in the latter part of it. So when you're going back to watch tape over the most recent games, he's not there. And the adjustments that they're able to do in the backcourt or against Boston's backcourt of Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum when he's handling the ball, because Gary Payton a second is there and could guard all of them on the perimeter – 
I think it's huge. And I think it's something that we we even we overlooked talking about the Warriors defensive game plan that, you know, we talk about how Wiggins is everywhere and about Draymond setting the tone. Gary Payton II came back and, and brought him a spark plug defensively. I also, just from a team perspective, I think the experience of the Warriors in it, it shows in how calm they've been in high pressure moments. Uh, they're down to one on the road in Boston, trailing at halftime, and there. And you're not surprised that I know it's Steph, and he's one of the greatest players we'll ever see. But Steph goes off in the second half, even though he was great in the first and second of that half. But even someone like Wiggins, Wiggins, I think that's almost. And un- one of the more underrated, everyone's going to talk about Game 5 Wiggins. Game 4 Wiggins was huge. Mm. Uh, he had 16 rebounds, and they out-rebounded Boston by 16 in that game. And yeah. just being able to stem that tide with that hostile Boston crowd. And then even Game 5, they have a big lead early. They're up 16 uh, midway through the second quarter. Uh, by near the end of the third quarter, Boston's taking the lead. Jordan Poole hits a crazy shot at the end of the third, and then they just dominate the fourth. They're not, they don't get rattled by situations. They just address them as they come. And that has to do with the culture and the coaching and the big three experience with Curry, Thompson, and Draymond. Yeah, Matt, you mentioned coaching, and I was going to say something about Ime Udoka before uh, when he when he came up. I feel like he's a big reason why Boston is where they are. And he's a big reason they are how they are. When you just watch his demeanor on the sideline, you can just tell, like, he chews them out. Like, mm-hmm. he, you know, like he holds them accountable. He's telling them when, like, yo, y'all are ass right now. Like, you can just see yep. it on his face. Like, like, yo, what are you doing? He'll, he'll tell them to back up if, if he doesn't agree with them, arguing with the, with the ref's call. Like, if they, like, Grant Williams is arguing a call. And Ime had the look on his face like, you haven't been doing enough in this game to argue that call. <laughs> and he told him to back up. Like, yeah, back the F up, man. Like, right, like right. telling him to back up from the ref because, like, not your place. Like, yeah, you may not have fouled him, but, you know, yeah, you got, zero, I, you got a I, goose egg. I, I you got a goose like, egg in the box score. <laughs> I think a big reason why they've gotten over, because the Miami series, it was looking like complaining to the refs. And that just it, that's a mental thing, too, just that fortitude. It looked like they it may have hurt them in the Miami series. It looked like it was just it that would be the reason they could lose and they overcame that. I think a big reason why they've gotten this far is because of is Ime Udoka. I, I absolutely believe mm-hmm. that. I think their their ability to respond, even how they came back at Golden State after they I mean, just the way they've responded each time. What was the stat before I mean before Golden State won the last two games they didn't go, Boston hadn't lost two games in a row since like yeah. March or something like yeah. also, all, also like uh, I thought yeah since that's the start coaching, of the calendar year that's, yeah. that, that's coaching like he has that he you know again he just holds them accountable you can tell now again it can be tough because like just take Grant Williams for instance like he comes in and it's like bro we, like, that that's why I talk about like the offensive spark you know because like the, the Celtic Gary Payton the second had 15 off the bench last mm. in game five so him and Jordan Poole gave them 29 off the bench. Now, who the hell off Boston's bench has given is consistently really getting at it, like giving them that production. Derek White has had his moments and stuff, but it's like, who's who's gonna be that who has the potential to be that consistent spark for you? And uh, you know, that that's just one thing I look at with Boston is like Grant Williams, we know you're not gonna score a lot of points, but like you know, he can hit shots, like he can do things. 
Yeah. But bro, you come in and you know you get ticky tack. You can fight with Draymond. You do it. It's like all right, bro, just come out. You got to not Dray, Draymond. Yeah, Draymond got his head out of, the, like out of the series in game one. You're negatively impacting our mental psyche by getting into all that stuff, bro. We need people in rhythm, popping the ball, going off the dribble. Like we we need th- we need people to make things happen, not just come in and and you know just cause chaos. Yeah, and the email Joker point's a great one because people forget before the calendar clicked over to 2022. These Boston Celtics were dead in the water. 17 and 19 as of December 31st. And like that, like that in and of itself, coming back from that hole to just get to the NBA finals or get through a couple playoff series to me shows you like you've got a really solid coaching staff installed in Boston. But another great point you brought up is like Grant Williams has kind of been on a milk carton in this series. Four points per game. And the big thing, the biggest thing is he was viable as an option on offense when he was knocking down threes at like a all NBA level. Now he's shooting 33%. He's only taken nine three-pointers this series in comparison to the Milwaukee series. In game seven, he shot 18. So <laughs> like the output is just not there. And maybe that goes to to the points that we were talking about. A little about bit of defense, right? Yeah. yeah so, so I thought he'd have more of an impact in this series. Yeah. I really did. Not that he'd be scoring 15 a game or anything, but I just thought physicality, the fact that he has been hitting shots, I, I I thought he would have just a little more impact. Or if and if he did, I feel like that that's what Boston would have needed to have an advantage. Well, I, it, I see so much of Grant, when Grant Williams goes to that corner, especially the short corner on a Jason Tatum drive. It's looking to to the ball's supposed to go up, and Warriors are doing a great job of getting out to him and making him put the ball on the floor and be a decision maker. Decision maker. When that happens, the offense is it's gone. It's gone awry. This was not supposed to happen. Grant Williams is dribbling the ball. We don't know what to do. And the war that I think that goes a little bit. The attempts for sure go more to the Warriors side of getting out to him because like. Is he going to make a super contested three? Probably not. So in his mind, let me put the ball on the floor and try to make something happen. Forgetting that he doesn't really know how to make stuff happen. <laughs> that ball's just supposed to go up. So I give a little bit of credit to the Warriors. Really quick, the one last thing the Warriors have to do to pull this out is continue to get that boy Steph Curry some help. They found it a little bit in game five with, with, uh, with an Andrew Wiggins 26 points. But in overall, that man's back is probably – on fire the way he's having to carry the Warriors through the series. And I just, I continue to think that the Celtics let one go in game five, because if Andrew Wiggins is the top scoring output on the Warriors and it wasn't a 50 ball. Now, if it's a 50 ball or a 60 ball and he's the leading scorer, you, what are you going to do? You give it to him. You give it to him. He scored 26 points as the leading score of the Golden State Warriors in a finals game. If I tell you that, you'd be like, oh, they got blown out. Are they, are they lost? They got ran out no. Yeah, they got embarrassed. Yeah, no, they won. So I, if if that continues, I have to think that Boston gets back right in this series. Curry's not going to go zero for nine from three again. Well, if if because like he, he got good looks, he just missed them. Yeah. That was that yeah. was weird about Game Five. Do you, do you guys know how many times in his playoff career Steph Curry has made zero three pointers? That was the that, first time, right? That was the first time last night, right? Zero before that. And outside of Clay, I think the starters went 0 of 19 from three. Clay went 5 like of 11. You, solid. you let one slip away. That is like nine threes. They, they only made nine threes as a team, guys. They didn't yeah. even hit double figure. They went nine for 40 from three. You're supposed that, to win that game. That was the game they needed. They, they needed and that. You're right. And you're right, Matt. I could be as 
delusionally optimistic as I want, but lightning don't strike twice in the same spot like that. Like they may not come out and shoot the lights out of the ball. They're going to hit more than nine threes. Steph going to give you at least two or three of them. Steph's going to shoot every in either game six or game seven. And and, and, and if he does that and, and the Celtics have the same defensive and offensive output, they'll blow him out. If he just shoots okay, they'll blow him out. If they Steph won by four of nine from three, that's actually good. So four of 11 from three, um, then, yeah, and that's your Warriors are going to win. Okay. Let me just remind remind you guys and everyone listening or watching or whatever, that there is only one person in this series who has a nickname dedicated to game six. I'm just, that's true. That's true. There's no, so is that Derek white? Is is that, is the bat symbol? (laughs) (laughs) Jalen Brown. I've never heard that. So I'm just throwing, just reminding people that there's only one game six play and it's game six. So it goes, it goes. Jackson, Tyson, Thompson. <laughs> so is, is is the bat symbol in the air then? Is that is that <laughs> is that the help that's coming for Steph Curry? Is it Clay Thompson? There's gotta I, be somebody. I, I honestly feel like everyone is gonna play well for Golden State in game six. I really think Boston's in trouble. Like they better be in rhythm and comfortable because I do think that I think that the Golden State is going to play really well. I, I think it's going to be balanced. Um, I, I don't know if Steph's going to have – like I feel like Steph had his signature game in Boston. Not that he can't do it again and go for 30 or 40 or whatever, but I feel like the game four, 43, I felt like that was his game. Um, so I just wonder if Steph – I don't know if he's going to have to go crazy, but I think he's I think he's going to get enough help. Again, I just feel like guys have been on Golden State side getting more confident – game to game they've been getting more in rhythm more understanding of like what it takes to beat this team so i i just think they're super comfortable and confident right now and i think they really want to end it in boston so yeah. i think they're, they're gonna, too. i don't think they want a game seven historically team there have been seven times a team has had a chance to win the nba finals in boston the team a road team has uh, the road team is one and six in those games. It's really tough to do. Only team that did it was the 85 Lakers. Um, it's really tough to do. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm nervous about hoping for a game six clay just cause I'm very pessimistic about Boston sports. Cause they always find a way to win. <laughs> and, and the fact that clay's coming off a horrible injury, it's just I I I really I really want Golden State to win, and especially to shut up the Boston fans who'd be there. But I, I really <laughs> think it's, it's a tough higher. ask, just because Boston is going to be really mad about letting Game Five slip. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. there's uh, obviously Curry could have done better in Game Six and Game Five, but there's a lot of Celtics, specifically Jalen Brown. I don't think got enough heat for his game five mm. performance. He was awful. That's true. That's true. Um, no, Mo, Mo, Martin, Martin pointed out. Martin, yeah, yeah, Martin yeah. let that boy know. Martin, know, let that boy know. Not from, not from us. I just mean in general. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So and, when I look at game six, Clay, I think you're right. Hoping for game six, Clay, maybe a little bit tougher in this series. We saw it in this playoffs, but this isn't the Memphis Grizzlies. This isn't, you know, whoop that trick and we're just happy to be here. This is the best defensive team in the league all season, you know, coming into this series. So, um, 
if you look at that, if I'm Boston and I'm so defensive minded, I have to know that to close out a series, players like Clay are coming with their best punch. The Warriors are coming with their best offensive punch. And game six, Clay is there. I have to like that's that's almost a point of pride. Like game six, Clay not about to happen on our floor. That not to close out a series, to cement your fourth title. Like if I'm a defensive minded team, that's that's a focus of mine. I got got to talk that head on. They also need to fade like a super hot supernova performance from Jordan Poole, which could cause it could like he is very capable of being the guy who is the game six closeout guy if it isn't Clay. Uh, And and before before we move on from here, like this isn't going to be like a like we were talking earlier in the podcast. So maybe this will be the end of there. Maybe Draymond's going to retire. Whatever you look at their youth, who's not even playing in this series. Moses Moody, Kuminga, Wiseman. Like, oh my goodness. Wiseman in the shadows. James Wiseman in the shadows just waiting to to be brought out. They're going to be who we're talking about when they're in the 2028 finals with those guys leaving the show. God. Seriously. Seriously. Our kids will be talking about them. I'll be like, yeah, the Warriors were good when I was your age, son. They, they They were still the best team in the league. All right, Martin, before we close out, I need the prediction, man. What happens in game six? Will there be a game seven? And if so, who takes home the title in game seven officially on the table? Oh, man. Uh, My gut feeling is that um, (laughs) my gut feeling is that Golden State is about to win game six. That's that's my (laughs) gut feeling that they're about Mm -hmm. to come in. And and once they really smack them in the mouth, Boston's not going to be ready. The pressure of being at home while it's more comfortable at home, it's also more pressure. And I think Golden State is coming with an onslaught and a tidal wave that they they won't be ready for. It may not be a flurry of threes, or I just think they're going to be so sound. It will just it'll get so tight that it'll it might be too tough for them. So that that's my gut feeling. I picked Warriors in either six or seven. I was I was too on the fence about it. Um, so so I'm sticking with my pick. I think Warriors are about to win in six. Warriors in six. Matt, put it on the table. I picked Warriors in six before the series. It's been a little closer than I thought it would be. I thought Warriors. I thought mm-hmm. a Warriors losing game one kind of threw me off of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, if I were to think with my head, I'd pick Boston game six, but Warriors game seven. But I'm picking with my heart, and I'm picking the Warriors to win game six in Boston. And I get those crowd shots of crying eight-year-old Boston fans. This whole, this, this whole take is skewed. This whole pod <laughs> you you Are you a Laker fan? Are you, what, no, no, I'm a Sixers fan. I'm all Philadelphia. My dad, my dad, one of my earliest basketball memories is my dad telling me how much he hated Danny Ainge. There's an ire. There's an ire. <laughs> wow. Okay. No, very hateable so play. Generational. Yeah. My grandpa saw Wilt versus Russell in person a lot, too. Oh, yeah. so wow. This has been a long time coming. Okay. It's not yeah. the Sixers beating them, yeah. but it's been a long time coming to see Boston lose at something for me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, your grandfather, your grandfather lost to somebody your father lost to somebody you lost to somebody all in the Celtics yeah I can see how I can see how you hurt a little bit Matt I can see how you hurt a little bit yeah. Jake give me the put it on the table who wins uh I I really it, the gut does say the Warriors take this game but I mean if Boston obviously they're in like a winner go home situation but on their home floor 
I, yeah, you know what? I'll say Warriors and six just because of the championship pedigree, the experience that we talked about, and also that, that physicality aspect of maybe some of the, some of the younger guys or inexperienced guys on Boston are fading. Uh, for that reason, I'm going to go Celtics and quietly root for the, the, the crowd shots that Matt is talking about. Quietly. What? I mean, you might as well hop on a bandwagon with Matt. Here's what I see the Celtics are. And I'm, this is probably going to make Matt mad the analogy I'm going to use. But they're rocky in this sense. Like I, they, they got crazy. their, they got their, they got their back up against the ropes. A giant's in front of them, teeing off on them. Are they going to fold right here? No, I think they have enough in them to at least get themselves off the ropes in the eleventh round, and then come back in the twelfth round and probably get knocked the snot out of. But if we're focused on the eleventh round, game six in Boston. With that home crowd, with the sense of urgency, the sense that we cannot let it die on our home floor, I think they pull out enough to win in a game seven. And to your point, Martin, I think Ime Adoka might be the best performer, just will-wise, for the Celtics. Because it's going to be a lot on his tone of like, they are not about to come in here and close it out on our home floor. They're just not about to do it. He's going to have to set that tone as a coach, but I do think they get themselves off the ropes in game six. and then. My, my gut feeling is it takes so much of them to do that in game six that they can't turn it around in game seven and the Warriors do what they do in game seven and win it. But just like Rocky, Matt, they live to tell the tale. We went the distance. Isn't that the moral of the story that he goes the distance and lives to tell the tale? Rocky, that doesn't fit at all. I'm not, there's like I could <laughs> spend 15 minutes about how bad how all the flaws in the analogy but uh, I, I, it, it doesn't fit at all. I didn't think it was that. Maybe, maybe not Rocky. Maybe not Rocky. We're thank you, thank you. slight underdog in the series. Okay, okay. don't, don't pick it apart. Don't pick it apart. Don't pick it apart. It's too late. Don't pick it apart. Don't pick it apart. Maybe not Rocky. Just an under. How about an underdog boxer? Don't don't. I don't put a name to it. But an underdog boxer. But that's what I see. Oh man. I'm sorry I struck a nerve with that, Matt. I'm really sorry I did that to you. But uh, we're almost out of time with this episode of Straight Facts. It was a great one. Breaking down the NBA Finals with our guy, Martin Sores from Basketball Society. So, Martin, we'll give it to you first. This is what we call out the buzzer. Got a minute, minute and a half. Whatever you need to get on the table. You got something to get off your chest. You want to talk about sports. Whatever it is that you wouldn't be afraid to tell your mama. Here you, here you go. So, you got something for us at the buzzer? Okay, I got something. I'm going to try to do this quickly. Uh, bas- right. Any basketball player that I train or talk to or mentor, they all hear me talk about this. So they're, they're sick of hearing me talk about this. But I will say, uh, you know, in life, you can't guarantee many things. All of us have been mm-hmm. alive long enough to know that there are things that you just can't guarantee at all. You just don't know, right? Um, but the one thing that I've started to learn just in the last couple years, the one thing that I can guarantee will transform a basketball player's game and thus transform their lives. And the beautiful thing is that this applies to not just basketball players, not just athletes, but this applies to every single human being in the world. If you practice meditation and mindfulness, if you look into the elements of practicing your breath work and controlling your breath and what it can do for you and the elements of that and you get real funky and pair that with some good yoga and stretching, but I'll just focus on meditation for now. Meditation is the first thing that I have practiced that is free. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to pay anybody. I don't have to do anything. 
It's for me, it's my own thing. It's my own practice. It's the first thing that I've learned to do that is guaranteed to get me to the state of mind that I need to be in and that I want to be in consistently, whether, whether it be on the court or off the court or just in life. So that's, that's my last little piece for, for the buzzer. I, I love that. We talked about in the series, so much of it is a mindset. So anything you do to help ease your mind, get you into that state. That's awesome, man. I, I'm, I'm appreciate you sharing that message and go ahead and plug yourself too. Cause we, you didn't do that enough. So where can we find you where your socials and everything basketball society, tell the people appreciate you. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Martin stories. You can follow me, uh, Martin stories on Instagram, basketball society underscore on Instagram. And we have the Basketball Society podcast hosted by me. It's on iTunes and SoundCloud. And uh, you can also check out episodes on YouTube. We have video episodes as well with interviews with players and guests and me talking about more mindfulness stuff and all kinds of stuff with basketball. So that's where you can find me. I appreciate you guys having me on for real. It's much love. For I really sure. enjoyed this. So thank you again for having me on. It's much love. I've- of course, man. We're gonna we're gonna bring you back too when next whenever season. You need me. Season, whenever you got my we'll number, whenever you need me, I'll I'll be here. For sure, for sure. Matt, you got something for us at the buzzer? I need advice about a work situation Safe space, when a brother. coworker has just awful, awful sports takes. Mm. Just, mm, like so, like shoot one out there. So I really I'm like I really like the guy's Andrew. Um he's uh just turned forty, so like he's seen where he saw like the nineties, but he's not like a nineties lover. So like he's like some crazy stuff like you know how some people say Grant Hill would be in like a all like an all time great if he never got hurt. Mm. Yeah. Well this that's is. fine. He says he'd be top five all time if right. he never got hurt. I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know whatever. I don't know if we're in five. I don't know if we're in five now. And I don't know what if, no, 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 no. That's yeah. not the debate. This is what got me. He said Jamal Crawford was better than Manu Ginobili. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, that's another pretty bad take. <laughs> I love, I love Jamal Crawford. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. That's a hooper right there. Huh? That's not as egregious as that's not, that's not. That's not. I wouldn't even. Why? Why are we? Why are we putting him in a category that's not even fair to him? It's not even. They're not he's even. No, he's like, he's, he's like comparing six men. If you actually look at Jamal Crawford, he was better than Manu Ginobili. And I was like, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> and we didn't have the time to finish the argument because the customer walked in. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that was that was God. That was God saying, like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let you off the hook. It's here, like man. three days later, and I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's that's my advice. I would tell you to not let it ruin your day because clearly every time he does it, it ruins your day. It throws you off your pivot. Like life, life got too many stressors for you to let what's, what's the name Andrew to let to let yeah. him get you when you leave work, man. You gotta leave it at work. Gotta leave it at work. Jake, you got something to the buzzer? Uh, so yeah, I want to just give a quick shout out to a podcast that uh, a company that I work for just launched. Which, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you are in the Philadelphia area. Um, but it is called Unwritten. It is hosted by Jimmy Rollins and Ron Darling. Mm-hmm. And they go through all of the unwritten rules of baseball and share stories and pretty much the player perspective uh, as well. And so just recently, they talked about no hitters. Uh, and he was dropping some really great gems from Roy Halladay. Roy Halladay stuff, yeah. Yep. MLB posted it, I saw. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, just if you are into baseball, I know we're, we mostly focus on football and basketball, but if you are into baseball, just a phenomenal like 
story podcast that uh, if you have some time, I would love if you checked it out. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Congrats on, on doing great work with them. <clears throat> J-Roll, my all-time favorite baseball player, man. So I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Legend. But, all right, y'all. From my at the buzzer, we're going to play everyone's favorite game. Does uh, James have unrealistic social expectations? I'm starting to think the, uh, this is like the third installation. So I'm starting to think that the because, answer because, might be yes. No, but, 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 the first two, up. But, but the first two, you guys sided with me. So I decided I have to keep to, for reference, Martin, <clears throat> one day. I'm real big on if I sneeze and you just hear one me, thing, one you, thing. We have to mention this is right. this is James telling the story, so yeah. there's clearly a bias. James we have to take that mind. Okay, <laughs> we are straight facts, right? I'm just gonna tell you facts and story. I'm just gonna tell you what we're doing. So, my I, I'm big on if I sneeze and you hear me, Martin, you better say bless you. Like don't okay. I, I that nothing. It's my biggest pet peeve, okay. and my mother of all things knows that. So a couple months ago, I'm sitting at the dinner room table and I sneeze, big sneeze, I chew. And she's sitting right at the sink and she don't say anything. She hears me and she don't say anything. So she starts talking to me. And I'm so hold on, hold on, hold on. You didn't hear me sneeze just now. And she got so pissed at me. She got so mad at me that I interrupted her to say that. And then she fires back at me at the end of her rant. James, you just have unrealistic social expectations. And you might, you know how you said Andrew has gotten this to, to stay here. This can't leave my head. So now every time I, I think something that I think is abnormal, I'm like, do I have unrealistic social expectations? Let me run it by the group. Here's the latest installment of that. I am real protective about my food. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't like you being all up in it. I don't like you, like your nose all, uh, you know, your, your nose all um, on top of it. And do not, for the love of God, don't touch my food if I didn't say it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know where people were raised where you just go, oh, man, oh. I'm not sure where these people were raised or what, why it's okay, but do not just come up and, and, and look at what I'm eating. Oh man, that looks good. You could like, and, and touch what I'm eating. Like, don't, don't do that. And it's happened a couple of times in the past couple of months. There are two people in this world that I give uninhibited access to my food and what I'm eating, my mom and my girl. I don't got a girl right now. So there's one of the 7.5 billion people on the planet. One person can touch my food without asking. That's it. And if you're not her, don't touch my food. Is that, am I weird like that? Because I, I think I'm at this point, I'm starting to think I'm weird. Like at, it happened at work. Like someone I'm like, you know, I'm pretty close with. He's my man, but he's, he's my work friend, you know, but we're always sitting together. So I'm, I'm eating pizza from the mall food court. And he comes up and he's like, yo, that looks good, man. And, and like touches, like flips the crust of it. Like does a little, on the crust. Martin, thank you. Thank you. I almost it was a sanitary conversation. I almost I almost <laughs> thank you. I almost threw down in the break room. We almost I we almost fought at work. And I was like, bro, like don't ever, don't ever <laughs> check my pizza again. Not not on you, definitely not on pizza. Like, okay, so it, it so now to the group. Is that an unrealistic social expectation of mine? Am I too weird about my food? Um, you're definitely from, from the 20 or however many years I've known you, you're definitely a little weird about the food. I personally, (laughs) it's not like it wouldn't like, here's what I'll say. I also find it like very odd that someone would just go up and take something without asking. Um, you, you have some like really hungry friends or something like this happens to you more (laughs) than anyone I've ever heard of ever. Sometimes if you seek trouble, you'll find it. So sometimes I, I probably hate it so much. I probably manifest it because yeah. I just hate it so <laughs> much. It, it's man. like an energy that gives off. Someone walks in and they're like, ooh, 
I should touch his food. And they don't even know why. They just, I should go after his food. So, like, but you're right. I'm consistent with that, man. I've always been, and, and high school was the worst because you're all on top of people and you're eating people touching on each other. And I'm, yo, do not touch my food. Like, don't, don't, and don't, I'm just as mad if you go like, oh, man, that looks good, man. What you got there? And, like, you're, like, on top of it and sniffing it. Like, yo, like, like oh, that, my God. That's too far. That's a bridge too far. You got to let oh people inhale the aromas. Leave my food alone, dog. <laughs> like, oh, it makes me sick just thinking about it. It makes me so bad. So, so the theme I've gathered is that you're correct, but you're too correct in the sense that you get too mad about it. Because <laughs> you're <laughs> Maybe. right. You're right, but your reaction to them being wrong is... But there's a chance it's a, a chance. There's a chance it's too much. Right. Based on, I feel like that's the part I, of the story we're not hearing. Fair, fair. <laughs> the, the degree in which I correct people may be a bit harsh, but I just think I have to set down the law a little bit when it comes to these things because it's just I would innately do it, and it makes me mad that I feel like everyone should innately do these simple things, and and they don't. For the other ones, Martin, it was sneezing or blessing me when I sneeze. And if I hold the door open for you on the outside door panel, hold the door open for me on the inside panel. It's kind of courtesy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm asking simple yeah. things here, people. I'm not asking, I'm not asking tall tasks. I'm not asking crazy things. Scratch my back. If He's I scratch yours. About it. Yeah, getting yeah, getting yeah, yeah. I'm getting hot about it. Let, we, let me end the podcast before I do. I got to shout out my man, Martin Soares, one more time for coming on the pod. Basketball Society, the Basketball Society online, the Basketball Society podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Plug in because he's going to get used to hearing him because he's going to be back with us a lot. I love this pod. I love the insight and the energy that you brought, man. It was a great fit. So thank you. Also, shout out everyone on the Up On Game Presents Network, LeVar Arrington, Plexoverse, TJ Hushmingzada, and shout out to my guys, Jake Galley and Stat Matt Robinson. I'm James Jackson. These have been the facts. Straight up.